Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. In our podcast series, we are going to discuss a range of topics affecting police officers and anyone involved in the criminal justice system. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com. The new Conduct and Complaints Regulations came into force in February 2020 and introduced a move from blame to learning and reflection. As part of this new approach, the legislation introduces a reflective practice review process, which encourages officers to focus on their learning and development if things go wrong. I am Deborah Britstone from 3D Solicitors, and with me to discuss this in more detail is James Berry from Sergeants in Chambers. James, what's the purpose behind the introduction of the reflective practice review process? Well, the reflective practice review process, I think, is the most significant change in the new 2020 regime. And it's aimed at moving the police misconduct system away from a culture of blame and towards a culture of learning. And in doing so, it also brings the police into line with other professions that have formal practice requiring improvement processes alongside their misconduct and performance regimes. So what sorts of situations are we expecting the process to be used in? Well, the operation of the reflective practice review process has to be seen as part of a piece with the new definition of misconduct. So the new threshold for misconduct is a breach of the standards of professional behaviour so serious that disciplinary action would be justified. And the lowest level of disciplinary action under the new regime is a written warning. So the new process is likely to deal with cases where under the old regime, an officer's line manager might have given the management action or where at a misconduct meeting, um, there would have been an expectation that they wouldn't even receive a written warning. So really for the lowest level of what we currently call misconduct cases and also in some performance cases. So how do you expect this to interact with the unsatisfactory performance system? Not comfortably, I have to say. The process cannot be used where the case should be referred to performance proceedings and those proceedings deal with unsatisfactory performance. Unsatisfactory performance means an inability or a failure of a police officer to perform the duties of the role or rank they're currently undertaking to a satisfactory standard or level. It's quite obvious um, how there will be confusion between what is practice requiring improvement um, and what is unsatisfactory performance. But in my opinion, the new process could be used where the issue is more one of performance than conduct, but it doesn't meet the definition of underperformance it might mean a underperformance that isn't particularly serious or perhaps a one-off error rather than a series of errors. So in terms of the process itself, what protections are available for the participating officer? The officer is not entitled to be legally represented, although there is, of course, nothing to stop officers from getting legal advice outside the process. But the main protection for officers is that any account they provide for the purpose of the reflective practice review process is not admissible in subsequent misconduct proceedings against that officer unless they make an admission to unrelated misconduct. So it goes without saying that officers will be well advised not to make that kind of admission in any accounts they give for the purposes of this process. And can you explain briefly how the process works? 
In summary, the officer's line manager will usually uh, facilitate the process as the reviewer. They will give the officer a notice of referral to the process and ask the officer to give an account. The officer will then give their account. The reviewer will conduct a fact-finding process that is not meant to be a full investigation and where it follows on from a full investigation, the investigator's report and the officer's account will normally um, be all that's required of the fact-finding process. After that process is completed, there'll then be a reflective practice review discussion to identify learning for the officer, for the line manager and indeed for the force as a whole. There will uh, then be a reflective practice development report um, produced and agreed, and that report has to be considered at the officer's PDRs over the next 12 months. And what do you expect a reflective review development report to contain? So the report should contain a summary of the background, a summary of the reflective practice review discussion, the key actions that have been agreed at that discussion and the timescales for their completion and importantly, the lessons learnt for the officer, for line management and for the force as a whole. What are the consequences if an officer refuses to engage in the process? So Regulation 71 allows the reviewer to refer the case back to the appropriate authority for consideration where the officer fails to engage with the process. That might include the officer refusing to provide an account uh, or refusing to participate in any meaningful way in the reflective practice review discussion. What the appropriate authority can do when um, the reviewer refers a case back to them raises difficult questions though. The whole basis for a referral of a case to the process is that it doesn't meet the threshold for misconduct and the original conduct will not be rendered more serious by the officer's failure to engage with the process. So the misconduct or poor performance would have to be the officer's failure to engage with the process um, and in my view that would be difficult to get home at a misconduct meeting or hearing or indeed in performance proceedings but that's not to say that appropriate authorities won't attempt to do so. And in terms of the process itself what is the responsibility of the appropriate authority in the process? The appropriate authority is responsible for the administration um, of the process as a whole and certainly for reviewing feedback but the responsibility for facilitating the process in fact rests with line managers and not with the appropriate authority. James, what's the role of the force and the wider organisation in the process? I think in the first instance, the role for the force is going to be ensuring that line managers are sufficiently trained to facilitate what is a completely new and not entirely straightforward process. And more generally going forward, it's going to be the role of the force to ensure that there is a proper process for capturing the learning in reflective review development reports. The regulations make it clear that learning is not only for the officer, but also for line management and for the force as a whole. If the new system is going to be effective, it's going to be important that forces have a process for capturing and collating feedback and ensuring that it is acted upon where appropriate. We've talked about the protections available for the participating officer. What protections are available and indeed what risks are there for the line manager? In terms of protections, the only real protection is that the process that line managers will be operating is one that is set out in the regulations. In terms of risks, as with taking any action against a subordinate, there is a risk 
in these proceedings that a uh, officer who's subject to the process will either uh, allege that the line manager has bullied them or indeed has um, acted in a way that amounts to discrimination or victimization. It's important that uh, line managers protect themselves against those allegations by understanding the process as set out in the regulations and the guidance, by following that process, and by making sure that they can evidence how they followed that process and that they did so in a fair and proportionate way uh, by keeping adequate records. Thank you, James. Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com.